how is everybody doing tonight? Listen, I'm impressed. You guys, you guys really showed out tonight. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank you. I decided to rep one of my favorite characters ever tonight, Princess Anna. And I have my amazing sidekick, Princess Elsa, as well. Listen, if tonight is your very first time with us, I just want to say we are so glad that you guys are here. You picked an amazing night to be here. And it is so crazy to think that tonight is the last Wednesday night of the semester. I know, it's flown by, it's flown by. But listen, although we're gonna take a little bit of a break for Christmas, we will be back on January 18th. Wednesday nights will kick back off on January 18th, so make sure you're here for that night. You know, growing up, my family had a very special Christmas tradition. It was something that I looked forward to every year. It was the highlight, it was one of the highlights of my year. You see, every year at Christmas, my parents would take my brother and I to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. How many of you have heard of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party before? Okay, this is disappointing. This is extremely disappointing. In case you've never heard of this before, all right, several times leading up to Christmas, Magic Kingdom stays open extra late until midnight, and somehow the most magical place on earth becomes even more magical at Christmas time. There's a special Christmas fireworks display, the characters are decked out in their Christmas outfits, and it was literally one of the highlights of my year. And whenever my parents would, would take us to Disney, I liked riding the rides, I liked watching the fireworks, but my favorite part was getting to meet my favorite Disney character. And can you take a guess as to who that was? Listen, haters gonna hate. If you don't like Donald Duck, bye. That's fine. That's fine, I really don't care. To this day, Donald Duck is one of my favorite Disney characters. Do you know why? Because my favorite animal is a duck. I literally love ducks, and I love Donald Duck to this day. You know, just like me, just like me, you probably have some Christmas traditions with your family too. You will drive around the neighborhood with your parents and look at Christmas lights. Some of you get the dreaded matching Christmas PJs every year on Christmas morning. Many of you will attend a Christmas Eve service with your parents. And yes, some of you, poor souls, still leave cookies and milk out for Santa. And I know that's the majority of you in this room. But listen, listen. All right, even with, with all of the Christmas traditions, even with all of the things that, that we love about Christmas, overall, we do a pretty good job of remembering what Christmas is about. Even with everything that we have going on at the Christmas season, we do a pretty good job of remembering what Christmas is about. 
We know that Jesus is the reason for the season. We're familiar with the Christmas story and how Jesus was born. Many of us have a nativity scene somewhere up in our house. Listen, we know why we celebrate Christmas. We know why we celebrate Christmas. But I think many of us struggle to know what Christmas really means for us today. How does Jesus being born 2,000 years ago, make a difference in our lives now? Why does it matter for us today? What kind of impact does it have on our everyday life? And so as we look forward to the Christmas season, as we look forward to, to Christmas, which is just a few weeks away, here's the question I want us to answer tonight. What does Christmas mean for you and for me? What does Christmas mean for you and for me? And to answer this question, we're going to look at a story in the book of Matthew in chapter 1. And if you've never read Matthew before, Matthew is actually the very first book of the New Testament. And it was written none other than, than by Matthew. And Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was one of the, the 12 disciples who had the opportunity to be with Jesus during his, his earthly ministry. And because of this relationship that he had with Jesus, because of his connection to him, Matthew is able to give us many details about Jesus' life and about his earthly ministry. He had an insider's perspective on how Jesus was. He had the inside scoop as to what was going on in Jesus' life. And Matthew's account of Jesus' birth is actually different from any of the other gospel accounts. That's because Matthew actually told the story of, of Jesus' birth from the perspective of Joseph, who was Jesus' earthly father. And so if you have your Bible or your Bible apps, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 18 tonight. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You see, back then, Jewish culture looked very different than our culture does now. And if you were a girl in Jewish culture, chances are you were going to be married by the time you were 13 years old. By the time you were 13 years old, you were going to be a wife. And that's the age of some of you sitting in this room right now. And here's the downside to that. Most likely, your parents would have already picked out who you were going to marry. Your, your parents had prearranged who you were going to marry at the age of, of 13. And depending on how strict your parents were, depending on how involved they were in, their, in your life, you might not have much of a say as to who you were going to marry. You weren't too sure what, what was going to be happening. And in this process of getting married, especially at the age of 13, it was a long one. And it involved several steps. You see, first, if you wanted to, to get married, you had to get engaged. And typically, your parents would arrange this for you. They would arrange your engagement to, to another man. They would negotiate the terms of your marriage. 
Next, there would be what was called a betrothal. Everybody say betrothal. A betrothal meant that your engagement was official. Your engagement was official. It was recognized by Jewish law. And during this time, although you weren't married yet, you were seen as a couple. You guys were were an item. And then, after a year of betrothal, the wedding ceremony finally took place. You were officially considered husband and wife, and you could live together. And listen, at this time, Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed to be married. They were recognized as a couple under Jewish law, but they were not yet husband and wife. They did not live together. And as they are there getting ready to get married, they get the shock of a lifetime. Mary finds out that she's pregnant. She's with child. And this was not Joseph's baby. They knew that for a fact. Look at what it says in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, this situation created some real big problems for Mary and Joseph. From the outside looking in, from an outsider's perspective, it appeared that Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph. It appeared that Mary had cheated on him. And because they were betrothed, because their engagement had been made official, this would have been considered adultery under Jewish law. And under Jewish law, the punishment for adultery, it was harsh and it was severe. Sometimes it even warranted death. And so in order to spare Mary from public humiliation, Joseph decides to to divorce her quietly. He wants to be a stand-up guy. He wants to make sure that in the long run she's going to be okay. And so he begins to process kind of how to get out of this relationship. How can I divorce her so that she's not in a bad situation and so she's not publicly humiliated? Now, I want you to to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. I want you to to picture kind of what what Joseph's going through right now. He and Mary are getting ready to, to plan this life together. They're making wedding plans. I'm sure they're talking about where they're going to be living. Life is good for them. They're looking forward to being married. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mary's pregnant. And they have, he has no idea how it happened. In his mind, I'm sure he's thinking, did she cheat on me? What did I miss? What happened here? Like, what's going on? And I'm sure he's feeling betrayed. I'm sure he's confused. And he's conflicted about how he should handle this situation. Look in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So as Joseph is processing how to handle this situation, an angel actually appears to him in a dream. And this angel tells Joseph 
that Mary is not pregnant because of another man. Essentially, he tells Joseph, hey, listen, Mary didn't cheat on you. She didn't have an affair. Instead, she was pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. There was no other explanation as to how this pregnancy had happened other than God. And as unbelievable as this would have sounded to Joseph, this was truly a virgin birth. But listen, this didn't mean that that life was going to be easy for them. They faced a difficult road ahead with lots of questions and with lots of uncertainty. But the angel specifically tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Not to be afraid to, to raise this child as his own. You see, even though he was not the biological father of this child, he had an important role to play. And he was to be the one to name the baby Jesus. Because one day, he would save the people from their sin. Look in verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Matthew wrote this book, he wrote it to a primarily Jewish audience. And that meant that they would have been familiar with this reference to the Old Testament. You see, the, the Old Testament was filled with many prophecies. And a prophecy was a message from God delivered directly to the people. It was usually a promise of something that was to come. And in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that one day a Messiah would come. This Messiah would come with the primary intent to save the people from their sins. But there was a lot of confusion as to how this Messiah would come. Some thought this Savior would be a popular king or ruler. Some thought the Messiah would be a celebrity. Others thought that the Savior would be just another religious leader of the time. But no one suspected that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would come as a baby. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Joseph awoke from this dream, he listened to the angel. He took Mary as his wife, and while she was pregnant, he was faithful to, to take care of her and to support her. And when she gave birth to this baby boy, Joseph was the one that gave him the name Jesus. And Joseph was the one that raised this child as his own. You know, I think many times we read this story and miss its, its true meaning. We think to ourselves, wow, Joseph was such a great guy. He raised this child that, that wasn't even his own. Or some of us think, man, Jesus came into the world in a really crazy way. He was born of a virgin. How is that even possible? But listen, this story is so much more than that. It's so much more than that. That's because this story was the fulfillment of a promise that God had made over 700 years before 
in the book of Isaiah. In the, in the Old Testament, Isaiah was a prophet. And his job was to communicate messages from God to the Israelite people. And during this time, the Israelites were split into two separate kingdoms. They were split into a northern kingdom, and they were split into a southern kingdom. And this southern kingdom, which we call Judah, was ruled by a man named Ahaz. And Ahaz had made some pretty poor decisions as a king. And unfortunately, the nation of Judah had found itself on the brink of destruction. It was getting ready to be conquered by its enemies. And so God sent Isaiah to communicate a message to Ahaz. And I want you to hear what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Do you see the similarities here? Isaiah tells Ahaz that, that one day God promises to give the, the people a sign. A virgin would come and, and conceive and give birth to a son, and they would call him Emmanuel. God would come to, to be with us and to save the people of Israel. The promise that God made to the people in the Old Testament had now been fulfilled through the birth of Jesus in the New Testament. Listen, all 39 books of the Old Testament are leading up to this moment. God had kept his promise and Jesus had finally come. But you see, this promise was not just exclusive to the people in the Bible. This promise was not just exclusive to, to the people that lived back in Bible times. The promise that God would, would come to be with us, it was meant for everyone. So what does Christmas mean for, for you and for me? Christmas means that God came to be with us so that we can be with him. Christmas means that God came to be with us so that we can be with him. 2,000 years ago, God stepped out of heaven and came to be with us in human form. He experienced the same feelings. He experienced the same emotions. He experienced the same, the same temptations that, that we do now. He can relate to us because he's been here. He's become one of us. But, you know, unfortunately, I think we think of God as the exact opposite. Instead of thinking that, that God came to be with us, we often feel like God is extremely distant and that he's removed. I think many of us have this picture of God in our head as this being that's just up in the sky, floating around, kind of watching us go about our everyday life. And many of us, if we're really honest, we think that, that God is disinterested and uninvolved in our lives. Because we can't physically see him, he must not be there. You see, students, with the birth of Jesus, God got incredibly involved in our lives. In fact, he was the one that took the first step in making a way for us to have a relationship with him. 
Why? Because he loved us that much. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus to save us from the consequences of our sin. Because God is perfect and we are not, we deserve eternal separation from him. There is a gap that exists between us and God. And listen, there is nothing that we can do to to fix that problem on our own. No amount of being a good person, no amount of going to church, no amount of doing good things. But through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, he bridged that gap for us. And when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we receive that free gift of life, free gift of eternal life that God is offering to us. No longer are we separated from God, but now we can have a relationship with him. Listen, if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, tonight he's offering you that free gift of eternal life. He's inviting you to enter into a relationship with him for the very first time. And in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to continue to worship. But if that's you here tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Myself and Bo are gonna be in the back. And if you have questions about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, all I want you to do is slip out of your seat and come to the back and find one of us. We're not gonna embarrass you, but we do wanna have a conversation with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But listen, there are also some of you in this room tonight who you've already made the decision to follow Jesus. You already have a relationship with him. But for a while now, it's felt like God has been pretty distant and pretty removed in your life. If you were to be honest, you don't really feel close to him right now. And it feels like he's drifting farther and farther and farther away. Listen, I want you to to hear me say this. It's not God that is distant from us. It's us who is distant from God. It's not God who is distant from us. It's us who is distant from God because God always desires to be close to us. God always desires to be in a close personal relationship with us. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is available to us 24-7. But listen, just like any other relationship in our life, our relationship with Jesus requires effort. It requires us to spend quality time with him. That comes through through studying his word and through prayer. It requires us to be intentional to grow, not just to to show up to church and, and act like it's no big deal. Listen, if that's you in here tonight, 
you feel like right now God is pretty distant and removed in your life, I wanna challenge you to, to ask yourself a few questions. What has been the cause of this distance from God? What is the cause of this distance from God? Is there some sort of sin in your life that you need to, to confess and repent from? Have your priorities recently become a, a little misaligned and God is no longer the primary focus of your life? Or maybe have you just become complacent in your faith? You're just kind of going through life, going through the motions, and faith and your relationship with the Lord really hasn't been that important. Listen, when we feel far from God, it's not because God has left us. It's because we have drifted. And if that's you in here tonight, I want to challenge you as we continue to worship to just right there in your seat, be honest with God. If you need to, to confess some sin, confess it. If you need to, to realign some priorities in your life, I want to challenge you to do that. If you need to, to begin to get serious about your faith and stop going through the motions, I want to encourage you to invite God to be a part of that. It's not God that is distant from us. It's us who is distant from God. So what does Christmas mean for you and for me? At Christmas, we celebrate that God has come to be with us so that we can be with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you love each one of us in this room so much that, that you kept your promise to us. That 2,000 years ago, you stepped out of heaven and you became one of us. You experienced the, the same things we experience on a daily basis. The same emotions, the, the same feelings, the same, same temptations. And God, because you took the first step and you came to be with us, now we can be with you. And so, Father, I pray that if there are any students in this room tonight who have never made that decision to, to follow you for the very first time, that you would make it loud and clear that tonight's the night. You want so desperately that relationship with them. And God, I pray for, for students in here tonight who, who already have a relationship with you. But recently, they've just been going through the motions and they feel like you're distant and removed. God, I thank you that no matter what we go through in life, it is not you who walks away from us. You are right there by our side at, at every step. And God, when we feel distant and when we feel removed from you, it is us who needs to come back to you because you've never left us. You're always there. God, I thank you so much that Christmas means that we can have a relationship with you. That you sent your son because you love us so much and you desire that same relationship with us. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen.